You're listening to How I Sell, a podcast built for early career sales professionals. You'll hear stories, best practices, and guidance from top sales leaders on what it takes to become a sales superstar. Today's episode is made possible by Ramped Careers. Ramped is on a mission to build the next generation of workforce-ready talent. Thanks everyone for uh, joining us today. We have Lee Rosins. Lee is the VP of sales at Cheetah, where he has scaled revenue 10X in three years. Uh, prior to Cheetah, Lee crushed sales at single platform and job book, has been named a LinkedIn top 100 sales star. And from others that we've spoken to, um, Lee seems to be someone that's incredibly positive. Quite honestly, we need a bit more of that these days, more so than ever. Thank you, Lee, for joining us today. Thank you. How can I not be excited after that intro? Lee, for, for those that don't know you, that don't know you well, who is Lee Rosens? Who is Lee Rosens? I could give so many fun answers to that one, but to not talk about myself in the third person anymore, I'm, uh, I'm currently the VP of sales at Cheetah, and Cheetah is one of the fastest growing you know, SMB supply e-commerce platforms for restaurants and small businesses. And I've been with the company for about three years, but prior to Cheetah, if you want to get to know who I really am, I'm a sports fanatic. I'm incredibly competitive, probably at times too competitive, even when I'm playing spike ball on the beach. Just ask my wife and my family. And then taking you back to my childhood, I'm, I'm that, that kid that just wants to constantly be moving, just going, going, going. I can never sit still. I'm very impatient. I want to be on the next task, doing the next thing before I've already finished the first one. And I'm always, always moving a million miles an hour, sometimes to, to my own fault. But for the most time, I like to think that I try and put myself in a position where I'm, I'm a step ahead. And uh, yeah, growing up, my father owned and operated a chain of bagel stores. So for better or for worse, I was exposed to the SMB world from a very young age, you know, how it's run, the operations, the finances, the day-to-day. And it really gave me this perspective into kind of how all of these small business owners who have such a passion for what they do are kind of, the odds are stacked against them. And I knew that there was a lot of room to help these people out, given that that's the world I grew up in. So take that with my my parents' energy. And I knew that I was going to be a salesperson if I was going to take anything away from them. Is that the uh, years that you'd spent as a associated bagel emporium? Uh, is that the family business? You've got it. Yes. I have had one too many bagels in my life. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting that you uh, mentioned a little bit about your formative years. And I know that there's another podcast out there where I think someone asked you who has had the biggest impact on you. And you spent a little bit of time talking about your father. We'd love to, you know, learn a little more about you know, those formative years, right, where you were working in the family business, uh, you decided to pursue four-year degree. It looks like you've, you know, spent time moving a little bit from one college to another. You played baseball. What was the younger Lee Rosens like? What, what were you aspiring to do? So I was, I was one of those, those guys who pretty much got excited about everything. And when I mean everything, I mean, if I had a great sandwich, I made sure everybody around me was going to order that exact sandwich the next time they went to a deli. If I just saw a movie that I loved, there's no way that my friends weren't going to watch the same movie. And it wasn't me trying to sell anything. I wasn't getting paid to express my opinions. I just wanted people to share in my passion and what I loved as much as I did. So there was this, this whole childhood of me being the kid that 
just got overly excited about every little thing. And for anybody that's in sales, like you very much understand that you need to kind of transfer, transfer that excitement to your prospect that you're trying to sell to. And, and the better job that you do of, of getting them excited about whatever it is that you're selling, the better job you're going to do of selling them, right? So it was a very natural transition for me. But to take a few steps back, it was, it was rooted in my parents. Both of my parents were the two most, and I still think to this day, the two most social people that I've ever come across. Like if you see them in a crowd of strangers, they're going up to them and they're starting a conversation. They're always the, uh, the parents when you're much younger that you just get embarrassed about because they're talking to all of your, you know, your second grade parents. And you're like, oh, I don't want you to talk. Like they're just starting conversations with everybody. And over the years, I started to realize all the benefits that came from that and the type of people that they were and that they kind of made, you know, me and my siblings. So um, referring to the podcast comment that you mentioned, Minaj, back in the day, my, my parents went through a, a pretty bad divorce. And very quickly, my, my family was split up. We went from being this, this beautiful, happy family that was, was no longer. And still to this day, you know, there's, there's a feeling of that divide between the family because of the tough divorce my parents went through. But at the same time, my father also lost the business to his brother. And we went from, again, this one happy family to this not really so happy family. And additionally, went from this very comfortable family that was part of this great business to no more. And I, I very quickly, along with my brother and my sister, had to adapt to this new lifestyle. And what constantly pushed me through this were the positive words that both my mother and my father were, were feeding us. And it was genuine, but more specifically, my father, he is just somebody who looks through everything in life in this, this optimistic glass half full way. And I, I truly do attribute a lot of my success and just what got me through these difficult times to my father's advice and this constant just ingraining inside of his kids that things could always be so much worse, right? That there's so much to look forward to. You have your whole life ahead of you, right? Like there's plenty of people in our shoes and you know what, that finish line is there. So let's do everything we can to get ourselves there, whether it's success or happiness, whatever the case may be. And I ate it up and I absolutely let every single second of it resonate with me. And it's what propelled me forward. Thanks for sharing that deeply personal story with us, Lee. Uh, you know, often the worst of situations and when, when life deals, uh, deals you lemonade, but did I mess that up? Life deals you lemons. You, you make the best out of it. And it, it looks like all of this conflict and all of this struggle is what solidified your belief that turning negatives into positives. And I know that that's, that's something that you subscribe to. That was somewhat of a turning point in that it's easy for me to sit and say, hey, you need to turn negatives into positives. But it's a different thing where you actually had had to implement it in your own life where circumstances that were beyond your control were indeed negative and you had to turn that around and make that positive but that's a uh, that, that's an incredible incredible story and I'm sorry that you had to go through it but in many Don't ways be- it 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 seems like it it's made you what you are today and you put it perfectly yeah, I appreciate the the empathy, but some people say, you know, things happen for a reason, right? Um, I'm not sure if that's the case here. Of course, I wish my family was still together. Of course, I, you know, wish my father sold the business, but 
I absolutely was forced with my back up against the wall to learn quicker in certain areas, to make certain adjustments, like many people are doing in this current scary climate that we're all living through, right? You're forced to adapt in certain ways. And yeah, I was forced to adapt. And I don't know if I'd be where I was today if that all didn't happen. You know, another thing that you had mentioned and the passion really shines through is the second you're excited about something yourself, the more empowered you are to be an evangelist for that product or that service. There's another school of thought, and I'd love to get your perspective on it. Another school of thought is sales to sales, right? Apply the process, you can sell anything, uh, doesn't matter. What's your, what's your theory on that? Uh, do you think that folks should be naturally excited to sell what they're selling? And that the idea that you can sell anything as long as you follow a process is not necessarily true. Where do you, where do you kind of stand on, on those two ends of the spectrum? It's such a great question, right? Everybody's always, I think, contemplating this. So uh, my answer is super, super concrete here. Um, there has to be a process for anything that you do if you want to scale from a sales leader's perspective or from a salesperson who's trying to constantly chip away and get better, right? You keep everything constant. You understand what the variables are and you see if it's working or not working, and then you just keep coaching yourself and getting better. But to go back to the first part around the excitement, you know, there's this common misconception that most people buy based on logic, and it's just not true. There's been tons of studies that have been done, and people make decisions based on emotion. That's how most people make decisions through all walks of life. It's, it's based on emotion. So when you think of emotion and how, how do you transfer something that triggers specific emotions in others, right? It's through your own emotion. It's through different movements. And, and your excitement is one of the easiest and most organic ways to get somebody else's emotions humming, right? To truly believe in what you're talking about. If I were to just simply take my tone and keep it one way that was super monotone, not excited, and say something to you like, you know, this is the greatest podcast I've really ever been on, versus this is this is the greatest podcast I have ever been on. I said the exact same thing twice there. But one, I said it with excitement, where mm -hmm. I would imagine a resident more with you guys. And the other one was kind of just like, I didn't really care about it. I wasn't excited. So you have to have a process, but anybody in sales who thinks that excitement doesn't really help them get to the finish line clearly knows better. <laughs> well, you know, on that note, what got you excited about single platform? Um, I think you're the second person that we've we've had conversations with that have had a history of spending some time there. And it almost seems like this magical place where you kind of had to bust your tail off and it wasn't easy, but it's transformed the lives of many. Uh, there's a multitude of folks that have kind of come out of the single platform, how do I call it, class that are now senior sales leaders at a variety of organizations, they share a lot in common uh, in terms of b being open, being transparent, being self-aware, and also crushing it at their new role. What roped you into single platform and why did you stick around for as long as you did? Love it. Uh, I love talking about single platform. Uh, single platform is, is, is the home that I, that I was at for five years where I truly learned the ABCs of how to sell and, and what an incredible culture actually looks like. And yeah, you're right. Some of the most powerful people in, in sales to this day came from that school of sales at Single Platform. So uh, to answer your question, the second I interviewed with their uh, VP of sales at the time, Adam Liebman, immediately we connected on every single point and it felt like I was talking to somebody who had been my best friend for a long time. 
even though he was about to be like my boss's boss's boss. Um, but I, I, I honestly felt that that was the person that I wanted to be in five years. And I was telling myself, I'm going to reverse engineer and take every single step that I need to take in order to be in that guy's shoes one day. I just wanted it so bad. And then when you start at this company and you start to see that all of these sales gurus who have pretty much created a playbook that is so scalable, that has a foundation that you can apply to any type of sale, regardless of how transactional or consultative it is. And you can shorten the time that you close it, right? It's all straight line persuasion. You understand how to influence and persuade at the highest level. Like you learn all of this in such a well thought out training class. They take coaching so seriously there. It truly does put you in the best position to get your sales career off on the right foot. And I'm so, so grateful to have gone through those doors. To this day, some of my closest friends went through the same doors that I did and are running their own sales teams all over New York City, San Francisco, all throughout you know, the SaaS or the SMB world. So that place is, uh, is a place that anybody that's looking to still to this day start their, their sales career off on the right foot. I'm not getting paid to say this, like go look at single platform. Anybody else that works there currently or has come out of that door, I'm sure that we could relate on a ton of my perspectives when it comes to selling. And it, it sounds like a lot of the sales shops that you had built over time originated out of the training that you had access to a single platform. And that's great. And I think it's it's it's, it's a wonderful platform, wonderful opportunity. Anything you. that you that you learned in the process that you kind of did wrong, did you did you mess up at all or was it structured enough that you had to show up, put in a lot of work, and then just trust the process and trust the results? Any stories where as an early career sales professional, you go in and you're like, oh God, I, I messed that up so, so bad. Everybody messes up. Regardless if you were the greatest on this planet and anything that you do, everybody messes up. And part of my mess up was getting in my head that I was the greatest right away. <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about the story. So basically at single platform, um, in your first you know full month on the phones, you're not supposed to be the best. Like in any sale that you do, right? You need to, you need to build in all these new habits. You've got a lot of chipping away to do. And I found immediate success, immediate success. Meaning in my first full month, I, um, you know, hit over 400% of my quota, I actually shattered the record for the most sales ever in a month. And I was just on top of the world in my own head, right? And this is where I learned. So immediately I did nothing wrong for a two day span. And Things just weren't going my way. And I basically rode this sales roller coaster, which a lot of us know to be the ups and downs of sales, right? The mental toll that you could take if you let it get the best of you. And I was letting it take advantage of me, right? I thought that I was just like unstoppable force that will never go another day without closing down a sale. And then I did nothing different, but I had those days. But I let those days get much worse where I was going on to every call with this like not so so confident attitude anymore. You know, I was I was thinking that I was gonna lose. I sounded like a person who didn't want to talk to you over the phone. Mm. And it was all direct result of this roller coaster. So yeah, the biggest mess up that I had, unfortunately identified it right away because one of these other sales leaders, his name is Matt Bress, he pulled me aside and told me that I was doing this. I identified it and I immediately to this day told myself I was never gonna do it because the direction that I was given was if I ever want to go from being a great to one of the best of all time, you have to immediately eliminate that from your game because you will fail over and over and over again, right? In baseball, the best player in the world, Mike Trout, he fails seven out of 10 times and he's mm -hmm. the best in the world. In sales, we all know you fail a lot more than that. And I wasn't ready for that right away, even though I played baseball, but 
I had to set the right expectations and immediately it was a game changer for me or else I would have gone down a really bad path. Thanks for sharing that with us. I think a lot of early career sales professionals, SDRs, graduate out of college, they're super hungry and achievement motivation matters, right? Closing, setting, booking meetings, closing deals is what is, go, is what's going to inspire you to do a lot more of it. And yet, to your point, you could be doing all the right things and hitting your activity metrics and, and, and crushing, crushing everything that you need to do and still not see results. I think it's important to understand, again, that careers are long and that there may be days, weeks and months where things don't go down, go according to how you planned. But holding on to it and kind of writing it out seems to be uh, the path to success. So anyone that's listening to it. If you're an SDR and you're having a crappy month, we do too. To this date, we have crappy months. Sometimes we have a crappy quarter and we look at ourselves and like, what the hell are we doing wrong? But I think to your point, it's, it's that persistence, not losing momentum. So thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing that. Danny, I know you had, um, you had some questions for, uh, for, for Lee on, on single platform and kind of rising up the ranks. Yeah. And, and we've had some other folks on, like Manoj said, with single platform. And it does just sound like that legendary place, like the single platform mafia akin to the PayPal mafia <laughs> of, of, of just complete rock stars coming up. And we've seen it, right? You can, you can go on LinkedIn and just check single platform and see all the sales leaders that have come up through there. My question though, you know, it looks like you rose through the ranks relatively quickly, even though maybe you had some, some down days in the beginning. What was that like transitioning from IC to junior sales manager to sales manager to senior sales manager? Talk me through that transition period where you're in control of your own destiny to potentially not in control of your own destiny. Yeah, it's a, it's a good way to put it, Danny. So just to, to touch on single platform again, right? Uh, because I appreciate the single platform compliments, even though I'm not the founder. Um, it was a place where you knew if you made it there, you could make it anywhere. You had the top talent, only the top talent and the most coachable and the most gritty and the hardest working people could make it there, right? So if you made it, past three months, past six months, past a year, if you rose in the ranks, you were, you were doing everything right. You were firing on all cylinders. And obviously that sounded like a huge pat myself on the back, but it really just goes to show you that anybody in there who, who listened to the leaders, they were going to do everything they could to put you in a position, again, to be successful in your sales career, not just at single platform. So from my perspective, again, when I started at Single Platform, I knew that my goal was not to just be an individual contributor. When I played baseball, I was a captain of my teams, and I always knew that I was not going to play in the pros. It was a very tough day when I realized that, but it came <laughs> at a very young age, right? And when I realized that, I had to think, like, what am I, what am I good at? And I genuinely thought that I was good at bringing the best out in others, right? I knew I had a positive impact on people. And and I just, I, I created this, this camaraderie. I fostered this environment where people wanted to be the best version of themselves. So that became very evident to my leaders when I was an individual contributor at Single Platform. Of course, it helped that I was, you know, performing really, really well. So the second that they needed somebody to step up and start running their own team, it sounded like I was an obvious choice to them. And I'm very happy that I was because that was exactly what I wanted to not so much be an individual contributor, but to truly inspire others to be the best versions of themselves. So kind of going from, you know, junior sales manager to, you know, the next few ranks, 
it was it was just an incredible learning process the entire time, right? We have only a finite number of days on this planet. So in any role that you're in, you've got to try and find a way to continuously, you know, feed this thing up here. And I was I was getting fed nonstop, right? Whether it was change management, whether it was understanding how to bring B players up to A players, to keep A players happy and motivated and not going anywhere else. Like there were a lot of different things that I, I was taught. And to this day, I'm still learning a ton in my current role running the actual sales team at Cheetah. But again, nothing possible without what I learned at Single Platform. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. And I want to I wanna bring up Cheetah in a second because it looks like you've, you're have you on the same path, a long, illustrious career at another stop along the way. <laughs> thank my you. question, uh, yeah, my question is, 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 you know, I know that others we've interviewed have had this difficulty going from kind of player to player coach to player manager to manager managing their peers from working alongside their peers. I'm, I'm guessing by uh, the positivity you show and the, the way that you approach interacting with others, it, it maybe wasn't so difficult, but was there anything that you had that was difficult along the way uh, of making that transition? When you're not the one that's in 100% control of your performance and what you make, it's, it's, it's a very difficult transition. And when I first became a manager and I was responsible for 10 other reps performance for that month, I was very quickly learning that some reps, obviously, there's only so much I can do. Sometimes it's just not their cup of tea. And sometimes I need to do better, right? So I found out that even though I am 100% accountable for the performance of this team, no if, ends, or buts, no excuses, and it's tough, right? Just like sales is tough, you're going to fail. Sometimes when you're not directly responsible for your performance and the money that goes in your pocket, you know, it's, it's a tough wake-up call when you've got some really great people who work really hard, but it's just not for them, right? Or it's for them, but they're going to need a lot of work, right? And you might have to feel the burden until they get there. Makes sense. It's a reality for really anybody, right? That's not that's not focused on any type of sale or, or single platform. Any sales manager or leader can, can relate to something like that. But at the end of the day, just to give my little exclamation point to that point, I do think it is 10 times more satisfying and, and fulfilling when you do kind of get to that finish line with others than yourself. I, I would agree with you there. Same transition early in my career and the gratification you get out of watching a either you know a, a B player turn into an A or somebody who's just down in the dumps struggling yep. get to hit their quota or some percent enough of their quota it just doesn't compare it's more full feeling than closing that big deal on your own not that that isn't amazing like that that is amazing and we'll always have that but uh but that there's there's just a, a more complete feeling when you watch somebody else do it so when you when you think about cultivating talent what are some of the key aspects you look for uh with with junior folks potentially our audience coming right out of school or that first, second career right after that? I think you want somebody who who wants to be amazing, right? You, you want somebody who's obviously super motivated, who you know is gritty, who you know is going to open their ears and try and be a sponge as much as possible. Like those are all of, I think, the obvious answers that people will give you and I completely agree, right? Give me the coachable person who's going to work very hard, who's basically like a blank slate that I can pretty much sprinkle all my spices onto them and they're going to conform into what I want, right? And that's what you get with like more junior people who kind of don't 
really have all these fixed ways. Regardless if they're junior or not junior, right? Whoever you bring on board, I care a ton about, and this goes into the, the positivity part of me, about somebody coming in and understanding that every single thing that they do, every action that they take, it's going to either have a positive or negative impact on somebody else around them in the office or through our remote office now. And I want someone coming in who looks at life through the right lens, where they're exuding positivity, they're grateful for everything that they have, and they see opportunities in everything, right? They're resourceful because those people will organically bring up the performance of every other person around them. Because when we're in positive states, right, there's just so much research and, and so many studies have been done on this. I won't go into that because it'll take like an hour, but it's just, it's so, so evident that when you are happy and you're in this uplifting mood, you will perform better in anything that you do, whether it's, you know, doctors, salespeople, right? There's just across the board. So if that is the case and it makes you feel better about yourself and you enjoy what you do more, why would you not try and foster an environment that is that, right? And it starts with each one of the reps, each one of the members has a responsibility to create that. And it's obviously much easier when you bring in people who you see, you know, in the interviews or just the way you interact, interact with them, they're, they're positive. Like they see every challenge as, as an opportunity, right? They're not negative. They want to get better. They, they truly just have a smile on their face and they're happy to have the circumstances that they've been dealt. It's great. It's the growth mindset in action, right? Bringing exactly. instead of facing everything like it's a blocker or obstacle you can't overcome, you turn it into a challenge and an opportunity, which is is awesome to see. How are you bringing that environment? It sounds like probably innate in you uh, as somebody who's supremely positive and has faced obstacles early in your life or your career and, and brought that to cheetah and what are some of the specific things that you're installing both for junior sellers and senior sellers alike yeah sure so i think there's a ton of empowerment that has to go into this um you want everybody to feel like they can take specific actions every single day to help you know reach that finish line in this case the finish line is a very positive you know motivated inspired culture that's really going to drive results right and um our team it, it's great like every morning we have a uh, a five to ten minute you know yoga and stretching that we do somebody's empowered to leave lead that right every single day somebody's responsible for bringing great quotes in my opinion, whoever is not looking at different quotes every single day is just missing out because those are literally formulas for success from the most successful people in the world to ever do what they did, right? So we bring those to the table. We, this is a, this is a great spinoff of the quotes, true story. We had everybody in the office vote quote that resonated with them. And we, I promised to them the quote that had the most votes, we were going to blow up and put on the wall. Did you guys guess in this conversation, the quote that won? It was surround yourself with people who lift you higher. Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> but I, I think that the first step here to not give you guys too long of an answer is to just make everybody aware of how much you value this part of your culture, right? How much you care about all of this. And then everybody understands that it's a constant, just common denominator in everything that you do because it's been talked about a ton. 
people truly care about it. It's not neglected. It's important that we all feel like we are a cause of the result. Legitimately give folks accountability over the positivity and inspiration in the culture on a day-to-day basis. And you applied specific actions to it. I Even, you know, just the, the quote thing, right? They get to choose which quotes make it to the wall. That's that's awesome. And that, that matters because you look at it every day now and see yeah. how impactful that quote is. Two more questions before we we get you out of here. Uh, So the first is, what advice do you have the plethora of information and experiences that you've you've had both as an IC and now a manager and a VP um, for early, early stage sales professionals, the BDRs, SDRs, ADRs of the world that are just about to take that leap into sales? It would be if you don't find a way, somebody somebody else. I don't mean that to come off harsh, but you know, there's almost 8 billion people on this planet. And regardless of whatever chapter you're in, in your sales career, right? There's a lot of people that are in your shoes. It's just the reality, right? And understand that somebody is going to get to the same exact finish line that you're shooting to get to. So just knowing that is the case is enough for you to understand every single step that you need to take in order to get there and allow your mindset to drive that. Your mind believes that it will happen and and it will happen. But if you don't believe it will happen, it won't happen. But something that I convince myself and everybody else that I work with is just that right? There's always 10 people doing what you're doing. One of those people, maybe two of them will get to the finish line. Knowing that that's the case, you better do everything you can to ensure that you're one of them. It's inspiring. I kind of want to go build more ramped right now. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. Good. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Great, man. Uh, do you want a job at ramped? <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Better question. Do you uh, want to run it? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You. So so last question. Uh, it's, it's 2020. And hindsight is obviously 2020. But if you could go back in time, now that you do have the benefit of hindsight and give a young Lee a piece of advice, what advice would you give him? I could give a young Lee a piece of advice. The advice that I would give him is focus on data a lot earlier on. Reason being is I wasn't super data driven until I was put into more leadership type roles. I was kind of just like me, 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 you know, focus on my script, focus on my sale, focus on the process. And I kind of like neglected the data. But I think as you kind of graduate into these these higher tier roles, whether it is continuously along this individual contributor route, which is great, or if you go into a leadership role, you need to start understanding how data drives a lot of decisions and the better decisions, right? So I would tell the younger Lee to start understanding how I can, you know, slice and dice the data to make better decisions quicker from a very, very young age. That's great. That's great. Uh, something that is critically important to success, sales being not only a numbers game, but run on numbers, run on data, charts, analytics, especially especially now with a robust tech stack at most companies that we work with as well. Uh, Lee, um, Lee, thank you so, so much for being on the podcast uh, from all of us here at Ramped. It's been inspirational talking to somebody as motivated, as competitive, as driven, and as positive as you are. We truly appreciate it uh, and hope to have you back someday in the future. Likewise, guys, this was a, this was a real pleasure. 
What a, what a Friday. Awesome. So for all of us at Ramp Careers, this has been How I Sell. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, see ya.